Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Wanted to tell you about House of Carbs, hosted by one of my best friends, Joe House. I've known him since 1988, and the entire time I've known him, he's been very, very hungry. And now he has a chance to host a podcast about being hungry, all the things that make him hungry, the food that he loves. It is a podcast by the hungry for the hungry. And it's not your typical foofy food podcast where they're talking about foie gras and all that stuff. No, no. We're talking about diners. We're talking about fried chicken sandwiches, pizza slices, best Chinese food. Everything you, everything you talk about with food is on this podcast and with great guests like David Chang, uh, Chris Bianco, Jimmy Kimmel, a bunch of people coming up. All of them love food. Nobody loves food quite as much as Joe House. But listen, check this out. Subscribe right now to House of Carbs wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, guys? This is your girl, WWE Superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE Superstar Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening to The Masked Man Show. And you are listening to The Masked Man Show. And you're listening to The Masked Man Show. Welcome to the Mask Man Show. I'm David Shoemaker here with Dave Schilling. How you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. Would you say that you're doing awesome? I'm awesome. Oh, I was going for a this is awesome chant. Oh uh, my bad. I was. Doing, I've just been thinking about the Miz a lot lately because he's doing stellar work on Monday Night Raw. He really is. He's he's one of the best. We were at No Mercy on Sunday. We're gonna get into that. The first thing that I that that I we were talking about right before we started recording were the several this is awesome chants during the show and don't get me wrong the show had some awesome moments um but i'm just so obsessed and i was there with my girlfriend with the valet uh, that's the same person those are not separate people for the, <laughs> for the record um and her son and we had a great time um i was there too uh jim was God. there my heel producer jim was sitting next to me boy is he annoying yeah that was probably he kept trying the to cut the part. show short i'm like <laughs> listen man <laughs> We were like, like halfway through the tag match, he was like, "Guys, we got to get out of here. This is that. That's the end of it." Um, the uh, but but there were there. This is I'm I'm kind of obsessed, and 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 the valet was pointing this out too with the this is awesome chance, not really signifying the most awesome moment so much as it is signifying the fact that we as fans are there and happy. <laughs> I think it's more the realization that the match you're watching is good. It's that it's not bad. Yes, exactly. I kind of feel like we need a new chant though. That's just sort of like like. I appreciate your hard work or something. I am satisfied. Yeah, it's all, it's not, we got to save this is, this is awesome starts to become meaningless. Right. It's like using a finisher in the middle of the match. Just ask Stone Cold Steve Austin. You can't, (laughs) you you just, you, you, you belittle what we've established as an important chant. And, uh, and I, I feel like we need something more middle of the road. Just like, just, just something, just, I don't know. This is okay. It was in a good way. Yeah, I I, I I get kind of annoyed by by that. I think that uh, Mick Foley falling off Hell in a Cell is awesome. I think that... Well, that's, uh, that's terrifying. Yeah, but okay, well... When he it, makes his return to the ring, that the, was awesome. The classic definition of that which is yeah. awesome is something that inspires awe. Yeah. I don't think that, uh, you know, Cesaro and Sheamus versus The Shield inspired awe in me. Yeah. But you know what? Your mileage may vary. Yeah. Um, if the definition of awesome is something that inspires awe, then uh, then Braun Strowman must think a lot of things are awesome because um, the his theme song is just him going. Uh, anyway, we'll uh, we'll set that aside. If you have ideas for a good chant, we're gonna make this thing happen. Yeah, tweet at us at Mass Man Show. Let us know what the new WWE chant should be. Uh, we're gonna touch on Raw. We're gonna touch on SmackDown. But let's get right into No Mercy. Um, I was, uh, you know, I, I get a, a seat, uh, right next to the camera. Uh, I think people like to know like where our vantage points were. It was honestly my, I mean, I I say this, I, everyone listening to this probably knows I've been blessed to have a couple of like floor seats in my time. Usually when I'm riding shotgun with Peter Rosenberg. Um, but I, you know, I always say my favorite place to sit is right next to the camera so that I don't have to rewatch it. Like you, you kind of, you understand everything you're supposed to see. 
and it's not just like crazy run-ins happening without you noticing or like whatever. Um, but this was like, I was like on the third row right by the camera. It was, I mean, up the, up the ramp, it was really, really nice. And it was just, I felt like I was right there in the middle of everything. It was a really good show. You, on the other hand, mm-hmm. were up with the rich people That's in a luxury right. box. That's correct. Uh, I had a really good vantage point of the entrance from the gorilla position where, you know, there's the, the curtain and they come out. I was worried if there was a run in, I was going to get that spoiled. Fortunately, there was no surprises. There were no surprises, that is, on the show whatsoever. So nothing was spoiled for me. But there are little moments where you get to see them like well, raising their arms up and like taunting the crowd right by the curtain. That's kind of cool to see. Are there luxury boxes behind like the stage setup? I don't think they're open. But what I mean, I, for like not just wrestling, but for concerts, they must like. Yeah. Are there they're, they're just luxury boxes that don't get to see? Well, for a, if it's if there's a stage set up and they've tarped off a section of the building, that whole section is blacked out. You just can't sit there. Oh, I know, but like what? So you don't get to sit there. Behind I just wonder the stage. if there's like if those twenty luxury boxes are like the cheap ones because Probably. you can only go to Lakers games, Probably. and Sparks games, and Kings games, and Clippers games. I don't know what those things and are. And the circus, if the circus comes, the Clippers are moving anyway. All right, let's get into the No Mercy. Um, the Miz. Defeated Jason Jordan. Yeah, um, I thought that was a pretty good match. I'm not sure. I, I like that the Miz is the Miz is single handedly doing a lot in WWE right now. One thing he's doing is keeping the Jason Jordan angle alive. Um, but he moved on pretty quickly on Raw to Roman Reigns, which, and that was set up on No Mercy. They set up the the Miz TV segment, and so I, I think that there was. For for a pay-per-view, this is big picture. For a pay-per-view that was as hyped up as No Mercy was, two WrestleMania caliber matches, ah, it's the biggest thing ever. I think overall, I, I think we walked out a little bit disappointed only because the hype was so great and we should be used to that by now. But there, for, for, a, for a pay-per-view that was so hyped, there was a lot of sort of eating your vegetables. There was a lot of very functional, like, let's just finish, let's tie off this feud, let's set up the next feud, let's just... And, and by the end of Raw, it really seemed like we had a path like a, like a the map between from now to WrestleMania felt like it was kind of laid out. You yeah. agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Usually you have to wait till Survivor Series to kind of see where things are going. But yeah, I think Raw tied up a lot of the summer programs. Yeah, and now it's pretty clear we're going to Brock I mean, versus Reigns at WrestleMania. Raw opened up with the Miz TV segment, wherein Roman Reigns said the number the only thing I care about is taking on Brock Lesnar and winning the Universal Championship. And the Miz was like, Yeah, but before you get there, let's have a quick feud. <laughs> yeah, he's like the mid-level boss in, in a video game or something. Exactly. Um Finn Balor, Bray Wyatt. I was actually really into that match. I don't know. I haven't rewatched it, so I don't know if I was just it, it hit the right time before I started like dozing off in my seat. <laughs> but but it was it was a really fun match. Yeah, it was solid. I thought that it was one of Finn's best matches in WWE in the main roster at least um it wasn't you know a world beater but it did the job you were a world eater <laughs> uh, i i don't know what their their plans are for either of those guys going forward it does seem like there's still some lingering issues with the Bray Wyatt um you know video interruption on Raw but Finn Balor seems like he's going on to face Brock Lesnar very soon Unfortunately, because I've been on record many times saying this is a terrible mistake for both guys. Well, I mean, at this point, it's a terrible mistake because, you know, if Samoa Joe couldn't do it, and certainly if Braun Strowman couldn't do it, and by do it, I mean become a one or two month hiccup in Brock Lesnar's title reign, then it seems pretty insane to imagine that Finn would do it. But who, who knows? You know, it just, I feel like everything now is just like, like everything between SummerSlam and WrestleMania is a distraction between the Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, inevitable WrestleMania match. And for Brock, you know, if, and if, if at this point, it seems pretty clear that there's not it's, it's a straight line. Yeah. It's like we're going to have some really cool programs, but they're all going to end the same way, which is with Brock retaining. And that's the, the bummer about using someone like Finn Balor, who really needs the momentum to then put him in this feud with a guy who is much bigger than him, who's clearly going over. Well, who who would you who would you have him feuding with then? There should be a rematch with Braun Strowman. Why does it have to be a one one match deal? I got to tell you, halfway through that match, I just looked over it. I think I looked over at Jim, and I was just like, "Oh wait, this is." Uh, and I oh, and I think Dom, my, my my girlfriend, was sitting next to me and talking about how much she missed the rest of the Wyatt family. And I was just like, "Oh wait, 
the Wyatt families, we haven't seen those guys in forever. They were hurt. One of them was hurt. I don't even know. But Eric Rowan was hurt for a while. Luke Harper, they considered putting in that WrestleMania match. And yeah, and I, I, I just had a moment where I was like, oh, the Wyatt family's coming out, and then the and then Gallows and Anderson are going to make the save. I was like, this is it's going to happen. And I convinced myself, and this is it. This is why you don't fantasy book. Yeah. Because you're inevitably disappointed. But if it goes on for another month, then maybe we get that. Maybe, no, but doubtful. Gonna, never hope for anything, wrestling fans. Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins versus Cesaro and Sheamus. I was, the, the, the valet is very, very into Cesaro and Sheamus. I, I've said on this show and on other shows and whatever else that Sheamus is in that very elite category of look. he looks so much cooler live than on TV. Um, uh, the, the valet sp- smartly and correctly put Miz in the same category. Both of their bodies sort of, their, their, mus- their musculatures wash out on television for some reason because they're pale yeah and then in real life they're just like ripped and scary as all heck yeah anyway um this tag team match might have been the match of the night either that or the women's match yeah i mean but this tag team match was fantastic and for four guys who have undeniable chemistry but in a way that doesn't always add up to a five-star match this was really cool. Sheamus and Cesaro worked really hard at sort of innovating uh, with their moveset, really becoming a tag team and their their outfits. Um, and uh, but this really felt like they finally put it all together. And and you know, Rollins and Ambrose are great wrestlers. I mean, great lowercase G. I'm not putting them in any sort of upper echelon, certainly. Uh, but there's but there. I mean, I really enjoyed this match. The story was told really well. Everybody came out looking good, except for Cesaro, I guess, who had two teeth. Not we, we were sitting there thinking, kept th- assuming he knocked him out, but they were, in fact, jammed up into his gums. And there was like a giant cut on his lip that I didn't notice until raw. So I guess like teeth went through the skin or something. And that's why he, it was gross. It was disgusting. And props to him for finishing the match. That's incredible. I, you know, it's it's always impressive when when wrestlers finish matches bleeding, uh, like unintentionally bleeding or intentionally, but particularly unintentionally or injured. You know, so many people have wrestled with dislocated things or whatever. I would love to interview somebody. Well, next time we get somebody on, we got to ask him this, and because ju- I, I just want to know what the the difference on the pain scale is between having your teeth knocked up into your head and then just like taking a really hard bump on the floor or something. You know, I mean, it's conceivable that it's really not that much different. You're like, what? Why is everybody looking at me funny? I just took a face bump or whatever. You know, I don't know. It was, but that, that was that was nuts. He did not. I don't think he op- uh, Cesaro did not open his mouth on Raw when he came out. He was very gruff faced. He probably had his jaw wired shut or something. Yeah, I mean that's Ugh. rough, man. Um, but yeah, I mean it was a good match, and and I mean I was uh, I was into it the whole way. It was a little slow starting, but. Um... You know, the, the the false finishes and whatnot were great. And uh, yeah, I think they worked that, a good match. That move where the, with the, uh, the, the, the tag team <clears> move <throat> that the bar pulled with, with uh, the Seamus powerbombing Rollins onto Ambrose, it was just a really smart, simple, old school, with the exception of being it being sort of off the top rope or off the second rope, whatever that was. Um, but it felt like an old school tag team move. And that's what I think the bar is, is really excelling at. Yeah. Um, and that was also, I, th- I believe, the first This Is Awesome chant of the night happened during that match. And it's sort of like midway through the match and at a time when I was a little bit perplexed. Yeah, the the, the show started off really hot. Uh, I just want to point out that uh, Los Angeles was very pro-Miz. Oh, yeah. Uh, which doesn't happen ever. The Miz is not a guy who gets a lot of ironic babyface heat. Mm-hmm. But against a guy like Jason Jordan, who no one likes, he's the biggest babyface in town. I mean, Jason Jordan is playing, is working heel. I don't, he's, he's working heel, but presenting himself as a baby face, but just like any number of heels have done in the past. I think it's, I think that he's getting the reaction that WWE expects him to get. Yeah. And I also want to point out if, if you didn't see this on the the broadcast, because I don't know what was on the broadcast, I didn't watch it, but the Miz was like pumping up the crowd when he came out and like playing to them in a way that he never does as a heel. So that is very possibly just part of the work. It's funny because the the biggest things some one of my friends was saying he wanted Miz to be a babyface, and I'm very skeptical of you know we we've seen that before. Obviously, different time, different era uh, of the Miz's career. But 
it, you look at the Miz and you're like, the only thing, the only, I mean, the biggest things that are labeling him as a heel at this point are the Miz Taraj and Maurice. But again, we've seen the Miz without any of those. I mean, he's so much more compelling with people around him. And it's not a knock on the Miz. I mean, the Miz has reached a level that very few people reach in the past several months. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I hope that there's, I, I hope they figure out the right way to use him. Um, Alexa defeated Bailey, Emma, Nia Jax, and Sasha Banks to retain the title. Were you surprised by this outcome? Um, partially, only because I thought, why not put the belt on Nia Jax? But it did feel like a building night. up Alexa Bliss for an inevitable run in with Asuka is probably the best choice. Uh, she's doing good work, she's, she's cutting good promos, she cut a great promo on Monday night with yeah. Mickey James. I thought that was one of the best women's face to face confrontations Just, in a long time. Um, the valet not into Mickey James, for the record. That's a shame. She doesn't know the history. She doesn't appreciate all that she's done for the business. And she's just like, who is this weird looking lady? Weird? I thought, wow, she looks great. For her age. I'm not. Come on. No, I'm, I think she looks great, too. But she looks great because you, you remember watching her wrestle 20 years ago. I suppose. I, I, she looked good. She does. She I don't want to get too very, far very into good. that stuff because, you know. I'm not getting in the middle of that cat fight. But yeah, the, yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, Alexa, just like subtle props. When she was been doing that thing, when she was it last week when she tried to celebrate with with uh, Sasha and Bailey, and then they kind of turned on her. But there was that moment where she was like, and every time she comes out, she's sort of like, like you know, like accepting, like like waiting for the cheers from the crowd. She's able to work this. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to overstate it, but she. There's a lot of times where people will do that sort of, that sort of. It wasn't even a babyface turn tease. It was just her being a heel and trying to get in on the winners. But a lot of times that happens on WWE TV. Things like that will happen, and and you you're confused as a, especially as a long term wrestling fan. You're like, oh, they're teasing a babyface turn, or oh, like they've aligned for the purposes of beating Nia Jax. But then you realize that's not the story they were telling. In this case, like Alexa does such a good job in making it clear exactly the story that they're telling. You know what I mean? She it's that's a small thing, but. She just has so so much expressiveness in her face. She's such a good actor. I don't know. I'm, but she I'm, is acknowledging the fact that she's probably at this point the most popular woman on the Raw. After Emma, brand. I would say. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, if you say so. Congrats to Alexa Bliss for retaining. Um, Roman Reigns then defeated John Cena. And um, it, it was a good match, but it was a... Um, from a personal point of view, uh, an emotional, like, whoopee cushion being sat on. Yeah. People were deflated when that match was over. That's what I was going for. Deflated plus fart sound. <laughs> um, uh, that but, should be Roman Reigns' entrance music. It's just <laughs> a variety of whoopee cushion noises. Jim, can you can you do Roman Reigns' music, but just replace all of the, all of the notes with fart sounds? Just like didn't John Oliver did that on this week. Maybe. Okay, good. Um, well, I'll be looking forward to hearing that. It was a fun match. It 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 was it just it just lived up to all of my worst expectations, which was which were that this was much like the 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 Brock Lesnar, uh, you know, interminable march towards WrestleMania. That that, that John Cena was like totally a minor road bump for. Roman Reigns' march there. Yeah, I, I popped for all the near falls and stuff. Uh, there was a great, the great table spot. Um, but it could have been five minutes longer. Uh, John Cena could have kicked out of a spear and it wouldn't have ruined Roman Reigns. Totally agree. Um, it was weird how many thing, how many kickouts Roman had to get that one, just the spear and that was it. It didn't feel like the end, you know? And there's just something about the spear where it's it's a really cool move, but it it doesn't feel like it's not like the RKO out of nowhere. It's like it's just it one spear doesn't feel like it should do it. Well, because it's a transition or well, a setup move for Goldberg. It's a transition for Edge or was mm -hmm. um, the only person who's ever really used it as a finisher that I can remember off the top of my head is Rhino. Yeah, and people don't fondly remember. Was there not a football player that used it as a finisher? No, <laughs> I think Steve McMichael used like a shoulder tackle or something. <laughs> wow, um, I think Ron Simmons used a shoulder tackle too, if I remember correctly. He had power slam, but I don't remember mm -hmm. what he finished. I, yeah, um, and don't and let's not forget Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who actually went who went into the stance for his bad finisher. <laughs> 
but yeah, I mean, I think I think at the end of the day, one of the big problems with a work shoot, apologies for getting too meta here, but is that when the feud is based on reality, like fourth wall blurring promos, then a finishing move is never going to feel like a sufficient way to, to blow off a feud, right? And certainly not like the, the you know, mutual respect that was celebrated at the end of the match. I mean, that we need, to, we need like a 15-minute impromptu conversation to explain this new, newfound respect they have for one yeah, another. Yeah, they didn't earn that ending. No, because the and the the ending wasn't. The, there's nothing about a, there's nothing about their feud up to this point that should have been resolved by a fake fight. It should have been like, you know what? I thought you were a piece of junk, but the crowd was booing you, and you kept going, and then the crowd actually came around by the end of the match, and like what? Like that's what the feud was about, right? It right. wasn't about can I fake beat you up? I don't know. It, it was just I don't think it's it's hard to pull off. I'm not trying to kill them for that. But I think it, the Undertaker retirement also didn't work the way they wanted it to, for similar reasons. But it did have the benefit of the Undertaker cl- clearly being not healthy. You know, yeah. So it's like if he's gonna retire, that's fine because the guy's physically just decimated. John Cena pretending to retire that was the weirdest it didn't part. Feel right to me. Well, I mean, I, I, I mean, it was one of those things where I just sat there assume, trying to get my phone to work in, you know, inside the Staples Center, trying to figure out if there were like, have there been tweets that like, or, you know, news stories earlier in the day while I was just waiting to get into the arena about John Cena retiring. You know, I, I like, I, I thought that I was missing something enormous. In fact, it was just like, he was just going for the like, you know, one more match chant or something, you know, it, it just seemed, and by the way, Nikki Bella uh, came out this week and said that, uh, John Cena would probably never retire. Yeah, I, I'm sure he's going to wrestle into his 50s. Uh, also, I'm confused why this one defeat would lead him to tuck tail and run away. He's lost to Shinsuke Nakamura. He's lost <laughs> to AJ Styles. He's lost to all these people. But it's Roman Reigns who's like, okay, I guess I suck. Well, well, well it's now he now he can now he can relinquish the stage because Roman is there. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, there's no a, need for John Cena and anymore. That becomes so meta and ridiculous. Uh, I, it didn't work for me. I thought it was a good match, and I took a lot of heat on Twitter for saying that I thought it was a well-worked match and that Reigns going over didn't ruin the experience for me. Yeah. But I don't think they pulled it off the way they needed to for it to really cement Roman Reigns as a top guy. Well, I mean, it was also 20 minutes, 22 minutes long, which like you said, it, it felt like it could have gone a little bit longer, but at the same time, like that was by far the longest match on the card. I mean, the only thing that was even, the th- only match that was over 12 besides that was the tag team match. And you know, there's four guys in that match. I'm also, I think a little bit jaded because you watch an average New Japan match and there's all kinds of like crazy near falls and, and, finisher trading and all that stuff that really builds the drama of a match. And maybe it's overused sometimes. Sure. But it does affect the way that I watch professional wrestling. So I definitely pay attention more when I feel the finish is coming. And this this ties into Strowman and Lesnar. Mm -hmm. When you don't have that moment where you're like, oh, okay, it's about to get, it's about to go crazy. Then when it's over, then you're just like, oh shit, that's it. Yeah. Doesn't matter how good the match was before. If you don't get that moment of high drama, then it's all for nothing. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think that Lesnar Strowman, that's one that I'll go rewatch. And I, I should have done it by now. It felt like that could have been helped by the announcers. And I, my, my guess is that, you know, the reaction from people listening to this is that the announcers probably didn't help it, but that, you know, it's just a normal feeling about the <laughs> WWE announcing. But the, um, but, you know, it was hard to kind of grapple with the stakes of the match from where we were sitting and we're, and we're just talking about Lesnar Strowman at this point full on but the but I don't know I don't know I, it just seemed like with all of the punishment that both of those guys have put each other through starting at the last pay-per-view through till now with all the punishment that they've been through in you know their previous matches it just seems like it should have been a much more a, a bigger moment you know, it should the the ring the ring should have broken the 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 arena should have collapsed. You know, I mean, part of it was the weird thing of Brock sort of working as the underdog, 
when, you know, you see him standing in the ring together and like, I mean, Braun was announced as being like 100 pounds heavier than him, which is just ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Braun is an enormous dude, yeah. but he looks like he's got about four inches on him. You know, I mean, it's not like, and, and Brock Lesnar is as wide as the ambulance that Brock, Le- that, that Braun flipped over a few months back. But, um, you know, Brock was, I guess for me, like when Brock gets Braun in the F5, like, okay, you know, you have him in your finisher, but it's not like that's, there's there's nothing there's no you can't possibly compare that to the ring collapsing or to an ambulance getting flipped over there needed or to, to be, a you know there needed to be a high spot in that match we didn't get it we got a lot of you know mat based wrestling moves in the you know sort of second half of the match yeah the first half uh, of the match was really good i should say i mean like the the you know you can't hurt me stuff from braun and i mean it was it was a well worked well well considered match it's just we're going to look back on this. We're going to look back on this period. I mean, and and just be dumbfounded that Brock Lesnar has held the championship for as long as he did and wrestled a total of 53 minutes. <laughs> well, let's talk about the finisher situation, finisher conundrum that a lot of people have because it's these are two big matches where the ending was after one finisher. And people are like, "Oh, it's Cena uh, threw three AAs onto Roman Reigns. One was a super AA, and Reigns kicked out of all of them. Took one spear to finish him off. Uh, Strowman did three running power slams. Lesnar kicked out of all of them, and then hit the F5, and that was the end of the match. If you go back to the Attitude Era, you go back to the uh, Hogan Savage, you know, classic era. A finisher meant the match is over. Sure. And when you're the babyface, and I would argue that Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, because they were both working underneath in those matches, were the baby faces. So if Austin hits the stunner, doesn't matter if it's Kane, doesn't matter if it's a big show, Vince McMahon, The Rock, that's it. Unless it's like WrestleMania sure. and you're really trying to make yeah. people confuse and wonder who's going to win the match. Brock Lesnar hits an F5. It probably should be over. He's supposed to be okay. a top guy. Let me let me take a step backwards here. Because I don't disagree with you totally, but we, I think I said this to you right after the show. You always hear about wrestlers talking backstage, the, the, the producers, the road agents, whatever, talking backstage and making sure matches don't have the same finish. Those two matches had the same finish. 100% they did. I mean, it was like, like the way you just described it. It was kick out, kick out, kick out by one guy and then one finisher, it's over. It was, again, we're so conditioned to everything, every match having its own personality that that, that made the main event so much worse because we saw the... 22 minute version of that to a match, a match or two matches before. Um, so it was, it was just really disappointing. Now I don't mind the finisher being the finisher, especially if you're trying to put somebody over as having a big destructive move, but we've seen people kick out of the F five, you know, that's not, that's nothing new. And Braun Strowman, you know, was able to, to, to shrug off the German suplex in a way that nobody has before. Right. So we've already set up the fact that he's like, really impossible to hurt and it just felt i don't know it just felt like i i'm not sure why they don't like even if you don't want to go down the path of non-stop kickouts like why not have brock just do three of them in a row or something you know just have it just really like ice it it's hard i mean i brock lesnar is one of my favorite performers but but there's a lot many of his matches in his in his in his current run have ended sort of confusingly. And part of that is that they're all like 10 minutes or shorter. Yeah. And you're just not re- You're not there yet emotionally. Yeah, but the, the, the Samoa Joe match had the same problem. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, I, I don't think, I don't think this is the end of the world. And I think Braun ended up, you know, looking fine at the end of it. But, um, what we're saying is please come back Pat Patterson and start booking all the finishes. Cause they're just not, a lot of them just are lacking. <sighs> Especially well, on the top of the card. Uh, the one match we didn't talk about. We don't have to. No, but we do because it's. I want to talk about what comes next. Was Enzo Amore defeating Neville for the Cruiserweight Championship? Wow. Um, the crowd talking was about mad ex- about that. Yeah, match. talking Ooh. about expectations. I mean, obviously the crowd reacted negatively to that match, and I think that that was a kind of a smarky reaction. Um, it was also boring. Let's be fair. Sure. Was there a "This is boring" chant during the match? Oh yeah. Yeah. Were you in the bathroom during this one? No, no, no. I, I was there. I was 100% there. Yeah, that was um, a this is boring. I think show. I was there. Jim will have to chime in to answer. I think Jim's asleep in the control booth right now, though. Leave me alone. 
Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I want to tell you about the Ringers Gambling Podcast. It is called Against All Odds with Cousin Sal, and you're not going to believe this, but it is hosted by Cousin Sal, the biggest degenerate gambler that I know. He's such a degenerate. He has three other degenerates that he calls the degenerate trifecta, and they break down every conceivable gambling thing you would ever want to gamble on. They even take you to Captain Morgan's Make Believe Casino, where Sal makes up props on, on all kinds of things, sports, pop culture, you name it. Cousin Sal, he's been a staple on the BS podcast for the last 10 years. So good that we gave him his own podcast. Check it out, Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Talking again about about expectations and the failure to meet them. Uh, I'm not, correct me if I'm wrong, do you think that the average WWE fan during Enzo Amore's championship celebration on Monday night were under the impression that he's a heel? Because I think some I don't, people think he is. I think some I think people WWE definitely thinks he is, but I don't think they've given us like five breadcrumbs and and nothing else. I mean, it's not that long since he was, I mean, it's a very, it's a very short span of time since he was like the little underdog baby face fighting for his life against his old tag team partner. Well, and now because he's, Giving him, throwing himself up because he does a low blow and throws himself a championship celebration and is sort of jerky to everybody else around him, which was his character the whole time. We're, we're supposed to read him as a as a heel. Yeah, they're, they're acknowledging one, the crowd kind of turning on him and two, the reality of what his character has always been. Sure. And we got a question. We're going to read some questions later. But at Blurred's pod asked, what the hell are they doing with Enzo? So I think that's. The feeling of what the hell is going on is pretty, you know, widespread in the wrestling community right now. People don't get it, and I don't one hundred percent get it. Here, here's what they're doing: they they think. I mean, they're. I mean, obviously, he's on. He, he's he speak. He speaketh the truth when he said he's on two hundred five live to get to goose ratings, and um, that he's you know the only reason that the cruiserweights are in the main event event segment of Raw. I mean, that's that's why he's there. But they're also WWE is booking him as a heel, and they've not done a good job of it. And they think that I think that the number of wrestling fans, I think a, a huge percentage of wrestling fans is aware of Enzo's rap, not just because of the way it's been mentioned in the ring, but because they read the dirt sheets or whatever else. Um, and but I think that WWE is coasting on that too much with the expectation that like what he, what happens in real life is like automatically subsumed into the product. And it's just not true. We're not with this. The whole promotion is not a work shoot, you know, right. you gotta, you gotta make it a lot clearer, but they think that we, that everybody thinks he's a heel for all the crap for his backstage reputation for acting like a jerk for the low blow. And that we should all be really excited when Braun Strowman comes in and power slams him. And then all of the rest of the two Oh five live or the cruiserweight division hit their finishers on him in the middle of the ring. I, I, I mean, listen, I, I'm sure that, you know, there's probably a, a other wrestling podcast that'll be a lot more kind of aghast at just the the booking concept. I mean, about the the morality of the thing, but booking wise, I just don't, I just don't get it. I mean, we you don't learn that Enzo, I, I, Enzo's been an underdog babyface for so long that I don't understand how that segment, especially the part after the show went off the air that was on the WWE's YouTube channel. I don't understand how that's any different than everything else he's gone through. Well, I think on one level, this is clearly a rib on him Mm -hmm. for his issues backstage. And the real life animosity towards him is bleeding into the way that they write for him. But also the confusion could come from the fact that, sure, maybe you want him to be a heel because he's got some natural heel tendencies. He's obnoxious. You want to see him get his ass kicked a la someone like Jim Cornette or something or Bobby Heenan. Not that he's on the level of either of those guys in terms of performance. Stipulated. Uh, But he's in that vein. But you still want to sell the merchandise to the kids who don't read Wrestling Observer, who don't listen to podcasts like ours or to any other podcast out there. There's a way to do the charming, sneaky baby face who cheats. Uh, Jim and I were at the the Pritchard Show uh, live podcast and they had Chavo Guerrero on, and Chavo was talking about how they created Los Guerreros, a tag team. And, you know, they did the vignettes, and they thought, oh, we're going to be these huge heels. And as soon as they air and they come out, they're getting cheered. Yeah. There's just something charming sometimes about the, the you know, the rogue, the anti-hero. Sure. 
it's not really necessarily coming across the way that they're doing it. They don't know what they're doing or or what they want from him at this point. I don't think. I, I think, don't know. I don't know how. I mean, it's just. I know I know a lot of times that we criticize WWE for being too kind of paint by numbers too like running angles they've run before and not ex- not expecting enough of the crowd. But I don't know how you set up Enzo for that moment without him running down the crowd first, you know, without him just like doing something just a little bit of real heelish behavior because it's okay. I'm just going to for every baby face on the roster, it is okay for them to hit Neville in the balls. Like there is not like he's a he's the big he's the most old fashioned heel. You can do whatever you want to that guy. Hulk Hogan would have raked his back and poked his eyes and like done any a million other things to him. Yeah, but you just liked Hulk Hogan. The Rock said horrible things about a variety That's of people. That's what I'm people saying. We love promos. Enzo Amore. Yeah. Like we've been trained to love Enzo Amore. At some point, I think they need to just decide these people are heels and these people are baby faces and we're going well, to stop certainly, pussyfooting around with it. But they certainly went the, the absolute opposite direction of that on Monday when they had all of the cruisers like align against Enzo Amore. And by the way, speaking of Neville, was he wearing Undertaker face paint on Monday night? And was that the first time he's done? He was certainly wearing something. Something, yeah. And so to debut him in like ghoul, like, like ghoul makeup at the moment that he's standing up for this like hypothetical fan against Enzo Amore's transgression. I don't know. Listen, man, this is not Game of Thrones. It's professional wrestling. There's supposed to be good guys and bad guys. And telling simple stories is what people want. They do not want you going back and forth and having all these shades of gray, despite everything someone like Vince Russo says about how the Attitude Era was all about shades of gray and complicated characters. There was nothing complicated about Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon. Nothing. It was the blue collar hero versus the boss. And that was the story. Yeah. I mean, I know what you're getting at. I think you should get your liberal bias out of the show <laughs> because clearly half of America was rooting for Vince McMahon in that angle. Of Every, course. Yeah. Everybody that everybody, Duh. everybody that's voting red. He had was a good pro point. McMahon. Um, so, yeah. So that was the big that was the biggest moment on Raw. And I think it, I mean, we've, we've said enough about it. We'll see where they go with this. I, I don't. I'm happy that the cruiserweights are getting this sort of attention. And I think Enzo is, I'm, I'm glad, I mean, making Enzo the heel of, of that division is a great move. I just think that it's, it's a pretty extreme, I mean, I guess you've got to have a huge moment if you're going to put them in the main event. But it was, it was just, it was, it was bizarre. The cruiserweight division has not had a lead baby face the entire time. And then they finally find a great heel in Neville. And then they just like up in the apple cart completely. And now you don't know what the hell is going on. It's just, it's bad booking to me. Um, is, was there, I mean, I feel like we're going to see, uh, that'll lead to the next, what's the next Raw pay-per-view? Uh, I think it's I don't know. Survivor Series. I don't know. Nah. I'm so focused on the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Well, we got to talk, we gotta talk about Hell in a Cell. After Hell in a oh, TLC. Oh, okay. Can we discuss real quickly that, um, the shield is clearly well. That's what I was going to say when we're when we're, ta- when we're looking forward to TLC. We got to look forward. We we know what's happening. Uh, it looks like the the shield is going to reform to take on the Miz and the Misturage. Do you have to say the Miz and the Misturage, or is the are the three of them the Misturage? No, the Misturage is, is just Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas. The Miz and two jobbers against the Shield. I'm great. This is, will not be the first time something like this has happened, uh, and it's a great. Uh, it's shocking to me if it does happen that we're getting our shield reunion that we're getting our shield that the shield reunion is basically just like a a shot a, a hot shot version of like the last dx reunion yeah. where it's like we're just getting together to like pop the crowd and sell merch and it doesn't really matter and, like oh, there's no storyline there's no inner there's no storyline between the three shield members that we, i should care about we gotta get roman reigns a babyface pop at tlc why don't we put them with the two guys they do like you're right it's all in service That's what it it's is. all in service of that yeah um uh yeah, what is Strowman doing in the next pay per view? <sighs> Maybe Finn Balor. Yeah. Who knows? I I think uh, anything is is on the table for that guy right now, but they need to build him back up. Totally true. He's got to he's got to squash some more dudes. Well, listen. Uh, before I mean, we we don't have we, we're not going to spend too much time on tables, ladders, and chairs. A pay per view that that barely exists um, at this point. But uh, we can talk about Hell in a Cell, which is um. Two weeks away? Two weeks away. Sheesh, man. Yeah. That's soon. I'm already getting uh, sweaty texts from Dan St. Germain. What are we doing for Hell in a Cell? Man, come on. 
No Mercy was just two days ago. Let me enjoy No Mercy. Yeah, please. Um, so uh, SmackDown was really interesting this week. Jinder Mahal apologized sort of for being very racist two weeks ago. Yeah. That was nice. Uh, we got another Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn match. I thought their promo was awesome. Those their two promo, were, their promo was great. I mean, they should just have. We should just have a, like a thirty-minute weekly show on the network that's just Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn feuding. <laughs> I want to see like a, a twelve-part uh, version of that show, rivals, world rivalries, <laughs> but about that's them. Um, the thirty yeah. for thirty will be excellent. You, you know, we talked about you. You mentioned the Undertaker earlier. I think the 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 moment that I want to talk about most from SmackDown was. Uh, Dolph Ziggler coming out with full Undertaker entrance and props, pun intended, to the WWE prop department for clearly getting him an actual Undertaker outfit because it was about eight sizes too big. <laughs> and uh, and so Ziggler just milks it, just comes out as the Undertaker. But then as he's running down the crowd, is interrupted by Bobby Roode, who... Again, uh, no, no, no hate on this uh, on this transition at all. But I guess is working babyface now. Yep. Um, the crowd does love him. Let's let's hope this we don't end up in a Fandango situation where the babyface push sort of derails all of the heat that he has. I don't think so. No, I, I don't think so either. And he, and he so wasn't good. he wasn't being too matter. he wasn't being over the well. So it was Fandango's. Ugh, that song sucks. I'm sorry. I hated that it's song. Best theme song possibly ever. Okay, I'm just kidding. Um. But yeah, so so Bobby Roode versus Dolph Ziggler is going to happen at uh, Hell in a Cell. I think that uh, this is a very minor quibble. I, I think that WWE needs to be a little bit clearer about which matches are not uh, not happening inside a cell because every time they put up the graphic, there's a cell behind them, and the words Hell in a Cell are right between them. And in fact, we only have we have two Hell in a Cell matches, right? We have we're going to have Shane KO and Gender. Versus Nakamura. Wait, is that no? That's not in the cell. It's oh, a tag is it not? Title, tag title matches in the cell. Oh, so wait, Pretty, do we have three matches? In, or is no? Jinder and Nakamura in the cell? I just assumed it was. I don't think so. Nope, you're right. It's just a singles match. Yeah, Shane, the, the Shane versus title. KO is okay. You're right. Um, but that's it. Just those two. Right. That's how it should be. Those are the two matches that deserve. I know it would the take cell. a little bit of heat off, but it would have been better if Bobby Roode was like, "How about you and me at Hell in a Cell, but not in the cell?" Just to be clear. <laughs> I mean, that would be an awesome heel move on Hell in like, a Cell the the night. Let's just talk about this stipulation. I'm not sure I'm ready for that yet. My lawyers <laughs> have been looking over this contract, and uh, um. Yeah, it, that would be so much better. And then, you know, I mean, but like ever, there's a lot of grudge matches on this card. I mean, you could make the case for Orton Rusev for for Styles Corbin. Um, I mean, even for Natalia Charlotte being in the cell just for the sake of doing it. You no, know? no, 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 no. Two cells, tops. No, no, I, I agree. Okay, I'm just saying okay. that this is a grudge match. This is a you grudge filled card. Yes, yeah. I understand you can make the case. Um, also, you know, the ring crew would probably be happy to not have to. Just leave it up. Just leave it up, man. <laughs> yeah. When it falls down, we just keep fighting. Um, but yeah, so well, are you excited about Bobby Roode versus Dolph Ziggler? And other and secondary question, is Dolph Ziggler's full-time job now putting over NXT call-ups? I'll answer your second question <laughs> first. Yes. All right. Question number one, I am not interested in this match. Thus far. When Dolph Ziggler is placed in this position, he has underwhelmed. Mm -hmm. I don't know if the Nakamura thing was Nakamura's fault, but I don't think so. I think Dolph Ziggler is, he's got a clear ceiling in terms of his in-ring work and his his storytelling. He's fine, but I don't, he just doesn't have a lot of actual heat. This gimmick that he's doing of I hate gimmicks is just, it's, I don't think it's getting over the way that they want it to. Sure, Every time a, a legendary WWE superstar's music hits, people get excited. Oh, it's it's the Ultimate Warrior's music. It's Bailey's music. It's the Undertaker. But I don't think anyone really is attached to to Dolph Ziggler in this uh, incarnation or in the previous incarnation. Yeah, you got to you. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there's a payoff. I don't know if what we saw on Tuesday night was the payoff to this whole thing. I hope not, because that what that's kind of a lackluster payoff. You, I mean, you have to go all the way with it once you start, right? I mean, this basically has to, and I know this is like like a decade of fantasy booking all like chewed up and spit back out, but like it feels like this has to end with Dolph coming to the ring as like Nick Namath with no entrance music. 
Yeah. Right. That's the only way to, to really make it work is I, I shirk all sports entertainment accoutrement and I'm just going to be myself. His hair is very, is very unbleached right now. Maybe he goes back to the short haircut. I just, I can't, it may, it may not even be Dolph's uh, problem. It, it might just be the fact that I know he's losing. When yeah. you know someone is jobbing in totally a match, true. all the drama is gone. Totally true. Um, and then we also saw, you mentioned earlier, Kevin Owens and, and Sami Zayn. Uh, Owens brutalizes Sami Zayn. That's like his post-match. job, man. He, he cashes job checks. Or? No, Kevin Owens' job is to beat the crap out of Sami Zayn every week. Yeah. And then Shane, of course, makes the save. Um, I think this has been a good feud. I'm uh-huh. into it. I'm 100% in on this. This is going to be great. Yeah. Do you, I like the, the way that Shane was holding his mouth after... Okay, so Ke- so Kevin Owens is about to pilmanize Sami Zayn, I guess, or he has whatever whatever you want to call it. He has the chair draped around his neck and is about to shove him into the ring post. The referees intervene. Then Shane comes down to make the save, and then Kevin Owens pushes Sami Zayn with chair collar into <laughs> Shane. And the way that Shane was holding his mouth, who knows? I mean, it felt like either a he was supposed to bleed like bleed a little bit out of his mouth, like he was like looking for the the blood, blood capsule, yeah. or that he actually got tagged a little bit and didn't intend to i think he probably got popped yeah but yeah. the but um you know after all of the online debate over vince mcmahon's blood and how it happened uh i don't know it just, i mean after not even that debate after that after that segment it feels like i guess that you, you'd save shane's bloodletting for the pay-per-view but yeah but it's it you know that really raises the stakes i'm into the feud um but like I said last week, like, I mean, maybe this would have been the week to bring out Vince. You know, just pause it. Let it let let milk it a little bit. No, I like that Vince was really the thing that sent it over the edge in terms of I think saying that you you you'd be better your kids would be better off if you had died was I mean that we we're already we we're already like, you know It's the visual that you get to show over and over again no, in, the, in the package. It's true. And the package is um package will be great, I'm sure. Package it already is. It's it already it's already what matters. Uh, and that, I mean, it's always what matters. Um, if you could only see one match, if you were if you were put in a cryogenic chamber for Hell in a Cell, and you could only see one match, and it's either uh, KO versus Shane or AJ versus Baron Corb. I'm just <sighs> kidding. This is not a real question. Um, I'm most excited about the tag match because we know they're gonna do something special. We know it. They've already had matches of the night on Wait, every pay-per-view they've been on. Are all of the New Day healthy right now? I think uh, I think Xavier is still a little banged up. Yeah. But it's Wikipedia, not going to be three on two. No, no, no. Wikipedia is just still unsure about who the tag team is. That's mm-hmm. what, you know. And that's the Wikipedia is the only place I go for information, full stop. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, we, we'll, we'll talk more about Hell in a Cell next week. But this is shaping up to be a really fun show. And I think that, um, I think that, you know, obviously WWE is throwing everything at the wall. Yeah. I think that it's, I mean, I, I, I think for, for the week overall, um, it's just, we, it, it feels like my takeaway from the, from, from the week and it's SmackDown, let's put SmackDown aside for a minute, but is the sort of like failure of the redemption angle, right? I mean, it was sort of like the, the whole point of Enzo, uh, getting beat down was this sort of like redemption spot, right? Where he's finally like coming to not redemption, but like, he's finally, he's finally having to pay for his sins, but it just like his sins weren't really made that clear in the context of the storyline. Right. And WWE is sort of paid for its sins by giving us John Cena versus Roman Reigns in like the work shoot angle, but they didn't really pay off. Right. You know, I mean, it's, there's, there's a lot of this. I don't know. I, I, I I had a lot of fun watching wrestling this week. Me too. But I think in the in the kind of meta way that we look at all this stuff, it was there was some some big letdowns. So you want to do some questions? Let's do before questions. We get out of here? Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's start with first question comes from Trey Kirby of the Starters on yeah. uh, on NBA TV. I love Trey, he asks, "How do you decide who gets to be Dave and who gets to be David?" Well, I've always been David. I don't care when people call me Dave, but I've never once introduced myself as Dave. I. Used to be David for a long time, and professionally, I chose to be Dave. So it just worked out really well. Dave Schilling has a it, it rolls off right. the tongue. Yeah, exactly. David Schilling is just a hot mouthful. Uh, speaking of hot mouthfuls, at Mep Smith asked, "Does Jinder Mahal have a one-on-one match at WrestleMania?" I'm gonna say no. Really? 
I don't think so. You think he's just done by then? I think once the once he drops the belt, he's going to be in the Andre or something, or a, a schmoz for the U.S. title. Well, I mean, it's hard to predict WrestleMania just because the card, I mean, the card is enormous and the event is endless, but there's, yeah, I mean, there's, always, there's, man. there's always big name people who get shoved into the Andre Battle Royal or whatever. I mean, you look at the card. I mean, what is your prediction that Nakamura is going to win and then feud with Owens or Styles? Like at, at Wrestle, he'll be feuding with them at WrestleMania. I could see a three-way, but yeah, those are the two most logical people for him to work with. I could see a Corbin thing too as a stopgap. Part of me feels like he's going to WrestleMania with the belt to wrestle AJ. Styles. I just think there's too many. I just think. I mean, I don't. I don't disagree with that necessarily. I just think there's too many singles. I think there's too many you know, second tier, I mean, one B tier guys on SmackDown. And it would be, it would be surprising to me if we didn't have, if Ginger's not the, even if Ginger's not the champion, it would be surprising to me if we didn't pair him up with AJ or Bobby Roode or somebody like that. I mean, I there's, see that. it's yeah. a, it, there's, there's a lot of spots for him. And there's a benefit of, oh, you know, this is the biggest global show of the year for WWE. Let's yeah. have an Indian It's really, really big. Or a Canadian Indian wrestler. I mean, we could have babyface Jinder Mahal by then for that international <laughs> market. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, at Stankow asks, what's next for Braun? And he's, he, he typed it all out. It's tough. Yeah, it's real. Uh, this I mean, is it's a struggle. Not, I don't think it's hard to keep the heat on the guy, although I don't think beating up, you can tell by the crowd reaction. I don't think beating up Enzo Amore was really, you know, the perfect look. Um, I, I, I don't think there's a clear cut answer unless I'm totally missing something here. I think it's my guess would be like returning Samoa Joe. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if they did like they let Jason Jordan kind of like run the underdog angle with him for a month. Yeah. And then get booed there yeah. too. Uh, next question at baby arm. Ooh, wow. Okay. Who should they feed to Brock and who should they keep away from Brock until he allegedly loses to Roman at mania 34? Well, we know your opinion. Keep him away from Finn Balor. Huge mistake. Um, you could do Samoa Joe again. Uh, you could do the Miz. I, I don't know. Just not Finn Balor. It's a total waste of his, his energy. Um, I don't, I'm trying to think who I would just enjoy seeing him fight. And I don't really have an answer if it's not Finn. Seth Rollins? Why well, that that was well, first of all, I mean, I guess Seth, you know, his dance card's a little bit full right now. Um and we've seen that before, although that makes it kind of easy to to run back. I don't know. I don't I, know, one, I think that I think that it well, what's what were you gonna say? I got one for you, and this piggybacks off a question we got from at Faber Got Paper. What happens with Matt Hardy now that Jeff is out? Matt Hardy versus Brock Lesnar. I was going to say the same thing. Huge. I think here's what happens with Matt Hardy. Um, Matt gets a vacation and then comes back with some video packages and the delete thing begins. Let's hope so. Before that. What a great way to start that with him like visiting Jeff in the hospital and then just weird transition. (laughs) Um. Yeah, I mean, I would almost just assume Brock just just say I'm going to be the champion at WrestleMania, and I'm gonna only gonna have non-title matches from here from now until then. Just just make it the storyline, you know? Yeah. Rather than rather than like te- just doing this fake thing where someone's gonna win, I would rather see Brock Lesnar fight like Apollo Cruz than somebody that is. They, they're trying to make us think could actually take the title. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, next question at. Actually, L- L- Eli P. Excuse me, actually, Eli P. Oh, no, wait. I have a better answer. Okay. Nia Jax. Wow. That's not going to happen. In a good housekeeping match, uh, can WWE cook up an angle wherein the Authors of Pain debut by attacking the Shield following the Miztourage match? Feels like a good intro. They look too much alike. If Roman's wearing the vest and they're wearing the vest. Maybe they're Roman's friends. Maybe that's why they're wearing the vests. Oh, and then he'll turn on the Shield. And he reforms the shield with these guys, the yep. new shields. That's it. We should be writing this stuff. Absolutely. Are the authors of pain officially about to come up? And, and do we think that they're definitely going to be on Raw? I've not been following the. I don't know what the rumors are in terms of when they debut and where, but they're not really, you know, they're not a focus of NXT right now. So you would assume. Okay. Um, the SmackDown, is SmackDown ever going to get, I guess they got Bobby Roode. Yeah. That's, they don't Rude's get a huge. Yeah. And they're uh, allegedly getting Paige when Paige comes back. Is Paige coming back? Yeah, where are you? 
Page is coming. Not back. reading. They're not reading oh, the internet. Boy. I'm. I've got a job. All right. I do too. But yeah. I also have time for my my first love of professional wrestling. At Goad Philip asks, how many WrestleMania coronations have to fail before Vince gives up? You mean with Roman Reigns? Yeah. I mean, you could say the same thing about John Cena back in the day. John Cena got to beat Triple H. He got to beat JBL. He got to beat Shawn Michaels. He's be- he beat anyone you could think of that could give him the rub. He beat The Rock eventually. He had like eight coronations. And it, it, it none of them worked in the way that it worked at WrestleMania 14 with Austin or WrestleMania 3 with Hogan or anything like that. It's just... It is what it is, and it's going to continue, I think, forever. Roman Reigns is your guy. Get used to it or stop watching. Yeah, I mean, I think there's two ways to look at it. One is, yeah, just get used to it and enjoy everything else in the card. Because Roman, Re- I mean, <laughs> Roman Reigns is going to be in that spot. And also, I mean, frankly, I'm not that mad that, I mean, I guess we could all wish that somebody, Finn or whoever, was getting that big, you know, triumphant victory over a departing Brock Lesnar in his last match, or if whether or not it's his last match, but like that moment. But I'm not, I'm not going to be like, overly excited for for Brock versus anybody at this point. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. is it, I mean, is, is he going to, I mean, is he going to work 10 minutes at WrestleMania? Like, He's, I don't know. <laughs> Roman's going to kick out of three F5s and beat him with one spear. Um, at Nathan Curse asks, how did y'all celebrate Rusev Day? Um, Milking I, a goat. I have a goat and I milked it <laughs> and uh, d- d- enjoyed the delicious sweet cream from the goat. <sighs> I appreciate what they're doing with Rusev. I wish that they had treated him better for a long time, but the but this is like borderline Borat shtick, and I <laughs> and I don't I don't mind it at all. They should just change his name to borderline Borat. <laughs> do we, how much time do we have left? We have one more. But okay, you, but, well, but 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 that's what Jim said. I don't care. I'm gonna, one more question at Taver, Tavares Ferguson. Hope I sp- said your name right, sir. Do you agree with Max Landis that the Miz is an antihero? Now, if you don't know what we're talking about, Max Landis. Uh, is prone to writing essays about wrestling and really getting into the storytelling aspects of them. And he wrote a really good thing about The Miz being uh, his his whole journey leading to this and him being a hero fighting against the system and that kind of thing. Yeah. Do you agree with that? No. Me neither. He's a heel. Wrestling is is simple to me. But I love what Max Landis did. I mean, it was sort of yeah. like we did with Triple H and the wrestling isn't wrestling thing uh, video. Is that what it's called? Wrestling isn't wrestling? The old, the original video that he did? Yeah. But like where you can kind of, it, I mean, that's what I do a lot of the time. You string together all of these sort of like dispersed pieces of or, of, of a wrestler's past and, and uh, you know, kind of look at what it means on a deeper level. I mean, sure. The Miz is an antihero in the sense that like he's fighting the good fight and he's getting better and the crowd's getting behind him. And preening aside, most of the arguments that he makes are true, right. you know, about deserving more screen time or whatever. That said, that's just how professional wrestling works. I mean, like, but if if you're if you're grading on the, I mean, if you're if you're if you're gonna grade based on the sort of mutability of crowd reactions or or the fact that you know a heel is gonna be a heel is gonna say true things in a heelish way. I mean, they've always done that. A heel is gonna, uh, you know, eventually win over the crowd. That's just the cycle of the heel face thing. That's been a long term part of the professional wrestling product. I think you're right. The Miz is presenting as a very very pure heel yeah and you know he's that that's part of what's so great about him he's just an old school villain i 100 percent think that what max does is really smart and uh it's the same thing that we all do we think about wrestling more than most wrestling people think about wrestling Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day i feel like this is a simple sort of sport or, or storytelling medium it's good guys versus bad guys and when you get too complicated with it you see what happens where nothing makes any sense in the in the writing and i wish that people like max landis could just write wrestling and it for it to be complicated and 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 have that that nuance to it but it's just it's not there it's not in the text well there's it's, a fine line I, th- I don't think everything needs to be strictly black and white but they need to you know they they need to uh show you like the gray crayon when they're when they're mm-hmm. hold it up and wave it around before you start coloring in with it um yeah, I think the Miz is. Uh, I think I mean the Miz is, is fantastic. But let's just let let the Miz heal, please. Let the, let let him heal. Make heels great again. Yes, absolutely. That's a good way to end the show. Jim, do you have anything to add? Not really. Ryan Satin and at wrestling or pro wrestling sheet challenge us to a trivia night at uh, Meltdown. Oh, 
wrestling. I've done this before. Wrestling I've trivia. Heard, wrestling I've trivia is garbage. Apparently, you had a hard time. With <laughs> I will it. go. Good stuff. Everyone had a hard time with it. I mean, there are certainly you in particular, allegedly, according no, I, to my I Twitter had a, followers. Emotionally, I had a very hard time with okay. it. Okay. Um, I can't tell you off the top of my head how many times Harley Race won the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, so I would probably suck at it too. But. I don't back down from a challenge. I'm just like John Cena. All right. Never give up. That's my motto. Oh, I'll give that a tentative. Okay. Anyway, great time at No Mercy. I would do it again tomorrow. They should just keep WWE in the Staples Center 52 weeks a year. (laughs) We hope uh, you enjoyed the show. We hope that, uh, you know, our pledge this is going to be a WrestleMania caliber episode really uh, (laughs) didn't didn't disappoint. And um, apologies to Dean Ambrose. There you go. We'll see you back here next week, humanoids. Tony Schiavone here on the Masked Man Show. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on the Masked Man Show. Bah! Bah!